1: Hour number three to get right with Reg and KG on 105. Three the fan, Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. What's up? Larry D. Flores holding it down for you here on this Thursday. And I appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app. Six NFL teams that are winning the offseason so far are the Cowboys among these six teams listed by the ringer. At Kevin Gray Sports, at Reg Atatula. Yo. Larry D. Flores on Twitter. Give us a follow there if you so choose truckrec.com, text line 877-881-1053, 877-881-1053. If you want to get in on the conversation live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash DallasFanCam with all of our 12 and also on 105 through the fan on YouTube as well. Stars beating the brakes off the Flyers at the AAC, 4-1, with about 315 left in the second period. Mavericks off tonight. They're back on the floor tomorrow against the Chicago Bulls who have decided it appears to sit some of their individuals is looking like as they are firmly locked into the 10 seed in the Eastern conference, which means they cannot move up any further in the play in situation. Meanwhile, if you are paying attention to what's happening in Utah, the Oklahoma city thunder are up 55 47 with a buck 30 left in the first half on the road. Against Utah, that game is important because the Mavericks have to win their final two games of the regular season. Meanwhile, the Thunder got to lose basketball game here real soon, because if they don't, the Thunder will be the ten seed in the Western Conference. Are you familiar with Luka Semanik? Oh, there's another Luka in the league?
2: Guess so. He started tonight for the Utah Jazz, if that, if that helps you understand what they on. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. it's the G
1: League squad tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Chris
2: Dunn started. Okay. All uh, right. Udoka Azubuike started.
1: Okay. Oche Akbaji started. Wait, Kansas is? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. boy. U-
2: Utah was like, we are letting the young folks cook
1: tonight. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That sounds like a scheduled loss for the... Uh, The Utah Jazz, who benefit from those kinds of things, Dallas uh, these days when it comes to losing basketball games. Um, But Utah trying to hang in there as it's uh, a four-point game with 30 seconds left in the first half. Thunder up 55-51. Mavericks going to be paying attention to this game quite a bit because it could determine who plays and who doesn't play in the final two games. Although Luka and Kyrie are going to play tomorrow against the Chicago Bulls, that being announced. Earlier today, they are probable for tomorrow night's game at the American Airlines Center. Six NFL teams that are winning the offseason so far is coming from Steven Ruiz of the Ringer today. As we focus on all 32 NFL teams as they prepare for the NFL draft, just three weeks away all your Dallas Cowboys draft coverage can be right heard right here on 105.3 The Fan beginning at 6 o'clock. Three weeks from now on Thursday night, your Dallas Cowboys have the number 26 overall pick. We will be on from 6 to 11 with the NFL Draft and then the post-NFL Draft show from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Thursday night into Friday morning. So we got you covered all draft weekend long. Three weeks from today, uh, but Steven Ruiz comes up with six teams that he believes are winning the NFL's offseason so far. Um, would you like to take a guess at the first team that he has? They come from the NFC North division. Oh, you've seen this, yeah? Okay, all right. Well, we'll just, I was like, "How do I play this? Do I try? Actually, You look yeah. on your face at it all. It's okay. Okay. Uh, let's start with Detroit. That's right. Uh, notable moves that they've made: Cam Sutton, three years, thirty-three million dollars." Uh, Emmanuel Mosey, one year, $6 million. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, one of the big splash moves on defense, one year, $8 million. They signed David Montgomery, a running back, to a $6 million a year deal for three years for $18 million. Marva Jones Jr., back one year, $3 million among them as well. A lot of improvement in their secondary for Detroit. Yeah, really necessary. When you talk about EPA
2: on uh, drop back, or drop, drop back EPA per play allowed. They were quite literally the third worst team. Yeah. When really it came bad. to, yeah, they, they, it was one of their real big weaknesses. So, in the ways that their offense kind of figured some things out this past year, their defense has still had some issues. Um, and so they are going to try and affect that through their offseason and really try and contend. Because if you look at the NFC uh, North, that's an open division, right? You look at the Vikings, and when have you ever felt <laughs> as great? As soon as Aaron
1: Rodgers gets out of there. Right, when eventually. have you ever felt
2: great about the Vikings? Not saying that the Vikings are bad outright, but they have they have not really been a team that instills confidence uh, in you for a little while. And this year, you know, this past year, you saw a very up-and-down Vikings team. The Chicago Bears uh, really bottomed down. They do have an opportunity to bounce back, but that's not anything guaranteed. And then you have the the... Lions who played some pretty decent football and inspired football football under their head coach Dan Campbell. Like I, I understand how they look around and go, if we invest, if we have the right moves, particularly shoring up this defensive uh, secondary, you can go and contend for a division title and then get yourselves in an opportunity with an opportunity to play in the playoffs and make some noise.
1: Yeah, Detroit, I think sees a real opportunity there within that division. Aaron Rodgers will finally get out of the division at some point, and that leaves you with. At minimum, well, I mean, let's think about the quarterbacks in that division. Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Kirk. Justin Fields, yep. and Jordan Love. Jordan, Why did that make you do that? And Jordan Love. Because the Packers simply moving off of Aaron Rodgers because they are sick of him is just wild to me in a quarterback-starved league. That you're like, okay, yeah, we'll just go in with Jordan Love because we're tired of Aaron Rodgers. Okay. All right. Um, Detroit's got a good chance to win this division this upcoming season. Jared Goff, quiet as his kept, was really good at the end of the year last year for Detroit. And defensively, they had to find a way to improve that secondary, and they did it. What happened?
2: I started moving moving forward to our second team, uh-huh. which is the Miami Dolphins. That's right. You know what I had entirely forgotten? What's that? That they traded
1: for Jalen Ramsey. Xavier <laughs> Howard on one side, Jalen Ramsey on the other. <laughs> like, I think you saw. It hit it like it. it yeah, it's jarring, it, isn't it? It was really jarring. Yes, I was. Like, oh, that's right. It's not bad. It's very scary. Uh, that was their biggest splash so far this off season uh, to go with what is a very talented football team. Obviously, we know what they have offensively with Tua Tagovailoa coming back, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. But defensively, now you look at them and you say, this is arguably, with all due respect to Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore, among other corner duos, probably the best in the NFL. Um, You could throw James Bradbury and Darius Slay in there as well from Philadelphia. But Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard, not bad if you're a team, especially in a pass happy AFC when you're going to see the likes of Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Joe Burrow, just to name a few, you need a terrific secondary. And they did it by acquiring Jalen Ramsey, who wanted to be in Miami. Shout out to Chris Greer, the GM for Miami, for making yet another terrific move. By the way, underrated move that we will think about in a lot of ways that we think about Dan Quinn. Okay. They got Vic Fangio as their new defensive coordinator. Yeah, and he's kind of the
2: father in some ways of, the, of modern or current NFL defense, a lot of NFL uh, teams with this, you know, too high shell or whatever, what have you. A lot of that is, you know, Vic Fangio inspired with the ways that they're going about it. Mm-hmm. In fact, people talked about. Remember when the Cowboys lost the Broncos a couple seasons back? Well, Vic Fangio had the answer. They got the blueprint. And so I, I it makes sense to go back to that dude if you want to shore up your defense. That team again, though, seems to all fall under the idea of: Is Tua Loa going to be consistently there? Um, because it does seem like he has some level of like uh, proneness, if that is indeed a word, to uh concussion, and that is a very scary uh situation. If you find yourself in another uh, another situation where he has a concussion, that's the type of stuff that ends people's like sporting careers. If you continue to have those, and that's tough for from the most important position on your football team.
1: Another team that Stephen Ruiz has winning the NFL's offseason so far. The Atlanta Falcons, now they've made some very interesting moves. They're a big splash, signing Jesse Bates third, on a four-year, $64 million deal, stealing him away from Cincinnati to be the anchor of their back end of the secondary, signed veteran Calais Campbell. They re-signed Chris Lindstrom to a five-year, $103 million deal to anchor their offensive line. Um, Taylor Heineke there to back up Desmond Ritter on a two-year, $14 million deal. The question for Atlanta still remains, though, what kind of player are you going to get from quarterback with Desmond Ritter going into uh, another year with Atlanta under Arthur Smith in that offense? I think the hope,
2: the hope that you had to begin with was Desmond Ritter, right? Like as a prospect, someone that's consistent, maybe the high end isn't as high, but someone that is consistent. Um, and you want to talk about an open division, at least in this past season, right? Oh boy, the Bucks weren't all that good, but they were the best you had to offer. Now, you know the sneaking, scaring one, or you know out there, and I wonder if this is going to come up because I didn't look that far ahead. Uh, the Carolina Panthers out there, they're having a little bit of fun from like top to bottom, but the Saints have not done anything that has really inspired you. The Bucks, I don't anticipate them being particularly good at all, right? If it's what is it, Kyle
1: Trask? Is that is that who I'm talking about? As of right now. Actually, Baker Mayfield. Oh, yeah, that's
2: right. Uh, Again, good luck with that. Correct. Um, But, yeah, you have an opportunity to do a little something. Is Desmond Ritter, after having a season to be able to sit and watch and get a little bit of playing time on the back end of that, is he ready to come in and just be a consistent everyday starter, even understanding that there's going to be some bumps, but as long as it stays relatively consistent, you have talented players uh, on offense that you can get the ball to when you talk about Drake London, you talk about uh, Kyle Pitts, And then, you know, you mentioned kind of the ways in which they've added to this. This could be an interesting team. And you also don't have a high, you don't have a high bar speaking about the NFC South.
1: A couple other teams that made this list. Cincinnati, their big splash move, uh, or signing, excuse me, Orlando Brown Jr. to a four-year, $64 million deal to help an offensive line protect Joe Burrow. The aforementioned Carolina Panthers also made this list. They've had some splashes. Their obvious biggest splash, Trading up to get the number one overall pick in this year's NFL draft, while also are moving on from DJ Moore, who they traded to the Chicago Bears. But they signed Adam Thielen to a three-year $25 million deal. Miles Sanders, good running back, four-years $25 million Very deal. good running back. Von Bell, three-years $22.5 million. Hayden Hurst, they spent a lot of money they did. this offseason. Dalton, uh, Andy Dalton, excuse me, two-year, $10 million deal. You can see that Frank Reich is trying to remake the image of this organization with good veteran players while trying to build a framework around whomever is going to be the new franchise quarterback going forward, whether it's Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, trying to get pieces in place to help that young quarterback be comfortable in his situation from the backup to reliable receivers and Adam Thielen and and Hayden Hurst and a reliable running back and Miles Sanders I see the plan I see what Frank Reich's doing in, in Carolina and it makes a lot of sense based on where they are as an organization
2: but you want to know the additions that I've I mean obviously the ones that you mentioned are important especially the number one overall pick where you're going to get a quarterback that a lot of people are going to view very highly whether it's CJ Stroud Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson right
1: i see what you did there
2: what do you mean what did I do
1: Anthony Richardson
2: no, Anthony Richardson has a lot of high-level qualities. It's the reason why he's going to get somebody fired because those things are very alluring. It's just, a, will those things come together in a way that makes a NFL-caliber quarterback? That's an interesting question to answer. Uh, you know who you like to try and figure that out? Thomas Brown, their offensive coordinator who comes from uh, the Los Angeles Rams. From the Rams, yeah. Right? And then you all talk about on defense. They hired a defensive coordinator, Jiro Evero, who mm-hmm. was uh, in charge of that really terrifying Broncos defense, yep. right? Especially even under uh, Vic Fangio. Like this is, the these are the guys that I think are really interesting. They made smart coordinator hires and we understand in this league having, you know, having the talent is nice. Being able to organize it really well can take that to another level and they have really interesting talents On their coaching staffs as well. So, not only are they bringing in talent, they're bringing in smart, modern minds to help shape it. So, this could be a really fascinating football team.
1: What I love about Carolina is the vision. There is a clear plan on what they are trying to do and what they're trying to build. And I can appreciate an organization that has made decisions that are going toward a clear path on what they want to accomplish as an organization. Carolina, I think, has done that tremendously this offseason. The other team that's on this list that I think everyone has been intrigued by so far this offseason. The Chicago Bears. That's right. Their biggest splash, trading for DJ Moore, as they moved on from the number one overall pick and signing Tremaine Edmonds to a four year, seventy two million dollar deal, giving a linebacker a bunch of money.
2: Yeah, and that's that's what they had. They had a whole bunch of money, right? Like they bottomed that thing out intentionally, and they now they had money to be able to go and make these moves. And they have you, you know used the capital that they had when you talk about draft assets to go and add a high-level wide receiver because they ain't had none of those before. And now they're really fully investing in that quarterback, Justin Fields, to have him be the best that he can be. This is going to be an interesting season, again, in a division that is not anticipated to be wildly strong or at least has opened up after, uh, well, at least what we think is going to happen, which is Aaron Rodgers leading the Packers. And
1: you you give yourself an opportunity to compete. Coming up next here on The Get Right with Reggie KG on 105. Through the family, go around the association why we don't love this with the new CBA and are the Rockets actually making strides to being good? Talk about next on the Get Right.
2: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. So get right with Reggie KG on 105. Three of the fan about to go around the association here. Appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app at Kevin Gray Sports at Reg at Atatula, Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula, Larry D. Flores here on your home of the Cowboys and Texas Rangers coming up in 16 minutes. We'll go inside the gray area where there is no gray area where apparently y'all here tipping bottle service real good these days. Who is y'all? The collective y'all. Okay,
2: fantastic. Yeah, not me. Because I ain't got it like that. I thought you were gonna say because you know you don't be in bottle service because you're a married man. To that that too. Okay. Although I mean, not
1: saying that you couldn't be in bottle service if you weren't married, but I mean Um Although, story time real quick, or, with KG, real quick. I think you before got before go one. around the association. My wife has actively encouraged me that she wants to go with to the club? her. Yes, with her. The club or the booty club? Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh. I'm like, you like you want she's like, yeah, I would love for us to go together. I'm like, all right. And how do you feel about this, KG? I mean, not something that you normally hear your your wife say. Or I think it's a little more common than you think. I I think so, too. But I just think that that was going to be necessarily part of my marriage. I didn't think it was going to be that. I mean, that's I mean, that's cool and all. I Look mean, y'all loving each other
2: enough to go watch booty. together.
1: <laughs> that's
2: beautiful, man. I don't care what nobody says.
1: <laughs> we haven't we haven't done it yet, um, but she says. It, I mean, it's an open invitation that whenever she y'all eight seven seven eight eight one one zero
2: five three send KG some recommendations. Whoa.
1: Oh, what? now look, Larry want to talk now. Look at him, look at his face. <laughs> he's trying to keep everything he can. He took the headphones, like he's not trying to say nothing now. But I feel like you got something to say. You got something to say, Larry? Nope. Okay, got it. All right, fantastic. Um, but yeah, I just find, I just find that to be very funny. But yeah, we'll go. Uh. Inside the gray area here, uh, coming up in about 15 minutes. Uh, before we do that, let's go around the association, though. Um, NBA action tonight, just to get you caught up on a couple of scores before we get into some uh, a couple of topics here. Game of importance, if you're a Dallas Mavericks fan, early on in the third quarter, 57-54, Ooh. Thunder up on the Jazz, as, of course, the Thunder trying to hold off the Dallas Mavericks for the final play in spot in the Western Conference.
2: And the Jazz doing a decent job against Shea Gilders Alexander, who's only three of ten on the on the night.
1: Yeah, they've shut him down pretty good. Um of course as soon as we say that, here we come. Right. Like I
2: bet here he goes. He'll go off and, you know, as the remainder of the third quarter or something like that.
1: Uh as the Thunder have to continue to win ball games to ensure that they secure their final uh the final play in spot in the West. Uh, right now, 59-56, thunder on the road over the Utah Jazz. couple of other scores on the night. The Miami Heat blow the doors off of the Philadelphia 76ers, 129-101. Cleveland continues their uh, spectacular season, 118-94 over Jamal Mosley and the Orlando Magic. By the way, Paolo Mancariot going to be the runaway NBA rookie of the year. Probably. He's been fantastic for Orlando uh, despite their struggles this season. Meanwhile, the San Antonio Spurs find a way to get a 129-127 win at home over the Portland Trailblazers. I'm sure Portland is pleased about that, giving them an opportunity to have better
2: percentages, and they're taking efforts.
1: Okay, when we get to the end of the regular season, we're going to have to have a real discussion about Damian Lillard and what he does from here because it seems like It's time. In Portland, to blow the thing up. I did see. Well, this is the
2: thing from from the Portland Trailblazers perspective. It does not behoove you to to like send away a star. Like we've talked about this. This is just not the way that you know um, business is done in the NBA. When you have a All NBA caliber player at that top level, you don't really send them away unless they've made it clear that they don't want to be there anymore. That being said, what do you think about this? And this is like a. This is kind of a borderline idea. Like, this is kind of out on the periphery. However, is Damian Lillard running from the grind by not going and looking for a better better opportunity to play basketball elsewhere? Because people have been like, oh, he's not running from the grind or trying to get better. But he kind of remains in this place. And I understand that, like, we have – this is, like, feeding into, like, the nasty narratives of basketball. But let's get a little respectfully messy right quick. Um, Look, man, like, staying in Portland – it is in some way like it at this point it's almost becoming the easier thing to do. Where like you're like, hey man, I wanna win a, I wanna win here, but hey man, they gotta they gotta put more around me. They gotta do more for me.
1: Is he running away from that if he goes somewhere
2: else? No, I'm saying like at this point, it's almost easier for him to sit around and like
1: just remain in Portland. And do what? Watch the hamster wheel continue to turn in Portland and go nowhere. No, I, Portland needs in my mind needs to make the organizational decision themselves, regardless of Damian Lillard's want to, to stay in Portland that they have to go in a different direction because it's not working and it hasn't worked for the most part in terms of long-term postseason success for them. And if they want to hit the reset button, the best way you can do that is to send your star away and acquire a bunch of assets to begin the process of starting over in Portland and working around Anthony Simons. Why? Because
2: it's too hard to build from the place that they are with the singular star that they have. Yeah. You know, understanding that he's going to be so good. Yeah. Hey, remember a couple weeks back when I asked are the Mavs the Portland Trailblazers?
1: <laughs> you don't have to answer that. <laughs> but the Mavericks have two of them. Okay. That's different. And one of them is the, one of the five best players in the league.
2: Okay. Lillard's
1: nowhere. In, I mean, he, not he's not in the top five. But he's got enough left as a star that you can get a significant haul for him. Portland needs to do the right thing and go ahead and blow that thing up and start over. Spend time. Uh, also, other score in the league, real quick game in progress right now 23 23, Denver, Phoenix uh, in Phoenix right now, as Denver is going to be the number one seed in the West. Meanwhile, Milwaukee wrapped up the number one seed in the East. They're good to go home court advantage throughout the course of the entire playoffs for the league's best team and the league's best record in Milwaukee. Um, recently, the NBA though signed a new seven-year collective bargaining agreement. Yes. And so changes forthcoming with respect to um, the ability to have more than one max player on your team. That was a big change, but also Something we haven't had a chance to discuss at length. The advent of an in-season play-in tournament where two teams will, yes, I know, uh, not, uh, 972, how old am I? you 36! <laughs> I don't even know what that's a reference to. They just wanted to say it, I guess. Okay, cool. That two teams will be playing 83 games versus just a standard 82 because of the uh, extra uh, championship game that's going to be part of the in-season tournament now.
2: Although like when we consider the idea of trying to add another another trophy, so to say, like another um accomplishment to attempt to achieve in the season, only adding a singular a single extra game uh, of uh wear on the players. That's pretty good all things considered, right? Um but that being the case, I I think this is a long-term play. I don't think that this is something that gets anybody who is a hoops fan or even just like a casual fan, um, excited the notion of, oh, yo, this in season tournament, because that's not the way that American sports have been situated to understand. Like now, if you're a if you're a soccer fan, maybe you can find some level of entertainment from that or like some level of juice from that. I think that what we're having right now is something where you are just going to have to build the prestige of this thing over time. So this is something where they're like, put it in place and hopefully down the road we will reap the benefits of this. This is now sowing time, sowing the seeds of having multiple accomplishments in the league. So your sole accomplishment is not the NBA championship. In fact, I do wonder if this kind of changes the way that we have discourse about star players and these things where it's like it is no longer simply did you win a championship, but like did you win? And this is this is going to harken back to, you know, soccer roots. Did you win a trophy? Right. Like where where were you in accomplishing certain like that level of winning as opposed to simply this one sole championship, you know, grind? Because, again, we always talk about this. Only one team can win. And we talk about it as if multiple teams can win. And that's kind of unfair. But now if you open up more avenues of this is a way to win, this is a way to win. Also, I do wonder if that helps add a competitive nature amongst teams because they we talked about the plan, but there's still some ways in which there's left to be, you know there's competition left to be desired. Maybe you can gin that up through more different types of competition.
1: And I think another part of this is again to encourage teams to play their best players more often, create incentive for teams to be willing to play their best players versus having them sit in games that are quote unquote, load management games or games that you can schedule sitting out players in order to rest them by the time you get to the end of the regular season and into the playoffs. So I understand what the NBA is trying to do here. I don't know necessarily how it's going to play out, but this is something that has been in the works for quite some time for Adam Silver and something that he has wanted to have done within the league and in-season tournament from the soccer model with some of the in-season tournaments that you have throughout the course. Of the season. So good luck with that NBA. Good luck with that.
2: Do you want to talk about anything else in particular about the CBA? Because for me, there's a lot of stuff within the CBA that we can get into the nitty gritty of it. Overall, this is a large accomplishment for the for the owners. Yes. For the league. And it felt like the only real get backs for the players was the ability to invest in like officially taking marijuana off of like the schedule
3: mm-hmm. for
2: banned uh, substances and making it so that players can not only, you know, use as they wish, which I mean, they kind of could do through like laxed, um testing, but also now they have the opportunity to invest in um in cannabis projects and um, businesses if they so please. Um, and also invest in small, invest in trusts or whatever that can invest in in teams, whether it's in the NBA or the W. WNBA. So it's, it's not going to be a direct conflict of interest that, you know, that was possibly set up. But that is a way win. And then also what is being termed the Jalen Brown rule, which is where um, the opportunity of, you know, getting an extension, your max previously was 120% of your deal. Now you have the possibility of getting 140% of your deal for veterans. And that is, you know, that's a a way to add more money into like the middle class of the NBA. I think those are the only real wins that I can point to for like players, for labor. Otherwise, it felt like they acquiesced a lot in trying to help give a kind of an additional cap, maybe not even a hard cap, but like helping make it so that you you cap the amount of spending that some teams can do. Um, and then also giving into the tournament and things like that, giving into the sixty-five game limit on um, on these things, and you've kind of given the the ownership and the league more things that they wanted. So it felt like like kind of an overall labor loss, but they did get some things in return.
1: Yeah, and I'm interested to see how it plays out with the investment in terms of not just uh, players being able to invest in the WNBA, but also some of the things when it comes to um, sports betting. Um, as well with some of this and how that plays out as well but yeah in a lot of ways it felt like there was some definite give up which in negotiation that's going to happen when one side has all the power
2: well you say that man we're we're in this place where even the most powerful labor unions at least the ones that we historically viewed as such haven't been winning nearly as much as you would think man like uh, the, the the collective power that we have thought that like players had had for a long time is not showing itself in the same way. In fact, if you look at um, the percentage of money going to players, um, that has been creeping down and down. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the NBA. The, the percentage is not creeping up. Although I did see something earlier today that was pointing to the idea that um, in baseball – that some of the money that goes to the players might be creeping up. Shout out to like some of the Cavaliers like Steve Cohen that are just putting money, pumping money into the, uh, into the economy there. But yeah, it's been interesting to see like as much as we talk about the collective bargaining power, we might be moving further and further away from the time where athletes in general and their collective union power is maybe focused well to the point where they are getting a lot out of it or getting more out of it than I guess you would expect.
1: That's a trip around the association right here on the Get Right with Reggie KG here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, we're going to go inside the gray area. This shocking possibility for the new James Bond director. And how much y'all really giving out for tips at bottle service? Next on the Get Right. About to go inside the gray area here on the Get Right with Reggie KG on 1053 The Fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. Yep. Larry D. Flores holding it down for you. Really appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app. The truck text line 877 1053. 877 1053. If you want to get in on the conversation, we're also live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dallas and on YouTube at one zero five through The Fan. On YouTube, hit the subscribe button while you're there to check out all of our fantastic videos from all of our shows throughout the course of the day. We will be back with you tomorrow night from 7 to 11 to send you into your weekend right here on Get Right. We will be following the G Bag Nation after they follow Rangers baseball as your Texas Rangers at 4-2 and two are traveling to Chicago to the friendly confines. Take on the Chicago Cubs for a weekend series as your Rangers at 4-2 after getting a terrific start from Jacob deGrom yesterday as the Rangers got 11 strikeouts from their ace and some timely hitting from the youngster. Makes me happy. Josh Young. Got 11 strikeouts. It was so fun to watch, too. Yes, it was. Terrific stuff to watch. Meanwhile, stars in action at the American Airlines Center. They are up 4-1. Right now on the Philadelphia Flyers as the Stars season comes to a close here in regular short season. order. That's regular right. The, the regular season. Yeah, they'll right. be playing in, uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And hopefully making a deep playoff run. By the way, if you missed it.
2: In fact, uh, Yard mm-hmm. had an interesting piece where they they selected the Stars to be their, um, their winner out of the West. Oh, really? Right. Obviously, the West is, you know, there's a lot of parity in the West, a lot of good teams that Stacked in you can point to. But the Stars absolutely have the capability, according to Yardbark, of making that run in uh, in the West.
1: Right now, the Vegas Golden Knights have 104 points. The Edmonton Oilers of 103. The Kings, 100. The Avalanche and Stars tied at, excuse me, Avalanche, Stars and Wild all tied at 98 points. So really tight right now. As far as the West is concerned, uh, Edmonton, though, is on a heater right now. They are 9-0-1 in their last 10 games, having won six straight, had the Oilers to surge to number two in the West, just a point behind the Vegas Golden Knights with um, three games left in the regular season for them. Vegas has got four games left in their regular season. So the Edmonton Oilers making up a lot of ground here as of late. Meanwhile, your Stars... Uh, just five, four, and one in their last ten. Yeah, trying to uh, get themselves what will be a big win tonight, especially in the West, as they're looking to continue to make some hay. Uh, in the in the West right now.
2: Yeah, the Stars haven't really fared well, fared all that well when they get to overtime, but that means they've been in a lot of uh, close games. And so, at least when you talk about uh, from Yara Barker, um, Mike McKenna. Was looking at and saying, "You look. They've been in close games. They've got great goaltending out of Jake Ottinger, and they've got veteran presence. When you talk about Tyler Seguin, you talk about Jamie Benn. In addition to the young cats, like they have, and obviously Pete DeBoer. When you talk about the uh, coach, like you have a recipe that has a possibility of you know putting a, a nice run together in uh, the postseason."
1: Larry, let's go inside the gray area here on the get right before we get to the top of the hour to get you caught up on the latest. In the world of sports. Damn it, Larry. Yeah, he's back. He's back. Larry, the originator of the original Gray Area music. Or was it Medford? I can't remember.
2: Wow, he folded on that real quick. I did. Like he started out strong and I he did. I immediately
1: recanted. Then I thought about it. I think Medford told me that he did. It. I can't remember. It was one of the two of them. Um, Oh, it was Larry. He says that it was me as he silently says it. It was him uh larry's gonna help us out though with this piece of audio here y'all really tipping this much for bottle service check this out toby what's the biggest tip you've made as a bottle girl 1500 okay i see it should be more it should be more but that's good
2: deja what's the biggest tip you've made
1: as a bottle girl Okay. Faith, what's the biggest tip you've made as a bottle girl? Me,
2: Mm. Me, what is the biggest tip you've made as a bottle girl? Two bands.
1: Yeah. Des, what's your biggest tip you've made as a bottle girl? Two bands
2: for Des. All right, so anywhere from 500 to 2,000? The two bands.
1: Y'all got to like that out there, huh? Somebody do. <laughs> What's the most you tipping for bottle service?
2: What you mean bottle service? I don't know what that means.
1: Well, just what we were just talking about.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't know what that means. What you, bottle service, that's not in like my lexicon. <laughs> He's like, mean? what you asking me that for?
3: I have no idea yeah. where I even start. I always try to give like two or three.
2: Oh, now you
1: want to say something? When,
3: when, ah! Now you want to say something? Whenever the Sonic, whenever the Sonic person brings out my order, you know, I always try to give two or three dollars, you know, for them bringing out my drink. I'm glad these that brought we're talking this about, up. Right?
2: What was the last time? What was the last time you saw someone at Sonic actually on the roller skates?
3: Oh, I see it. Yeah, yeah really? Happens, yeah, yeah. Still happens, I yeah. see that in years.
2: Wow. Also, yo, someone on the Twitch chat is surprised at, at tipping at Sonic. That's.
1: Uh, yeah, I, hmm. Really? Because I'm trying to think, I don't think I'm necessarily, I don't think I've tipped before at Sonic. Huh. Because unless you're actually sitting down outside, because most of the time the idea is like you sit in your car and you eat, you know, at Sonic. I feel like that's the only restaurant that is like encouraged for you to sit in your car and eat. At that particular I mean, there's restaurant. a lot of
2: other drive-ins.
1: Yeah, also, but uh, you actively, like, like the whole purpose of Sonic is like sit there and eat. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other drive-ins as
2: well that have that same, same concept. But
1: anyways, you you got it. Uh, Larry. Laflow, the flow Flores. Are you you like either one of those things? names, Laflow, or the flow? Laflow, that's like
3: making me sound French.
1: I think they mean like L A, like Larry. Yeah. Oh, I can't do
3: L A. That's already taken. Laflow, la, Laflow
1: no, no, no. la, though. Oh, Laflow.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's cool.
1: I'm cool with that. Okay. I'm going to call you um, Larry. Yeah. Just yeah you same know or Larry works. Larry, if money was no object to you, how much you tipping the bottle service? Bottle service. Based he, on what you saw. 10%.
3: Or what? 20%. 20% is the standard tipping, right? So 20%. Isn't it like
1: 18% now, standard tip? I don't know. I just do five. That's,
3: gra- that's gratuity. I do five for every 25. That's just my comment, my, you know, that's how I remember it. Five for every 25.
1: Five for every 25. Which gets me to one of the things that bothers me most about life these days. Oh, God. Let me tell you something. Here we go. I so! I don't need you <laughs> to give what you believe your gratuity should be up front. Like, I know I got a party of eight. Let me determine what kind of service that you gave me to determine what kind of tip I give you. Yeah, but you know what the problem is, right? What's that? That don't mean necessarily. People people gonna skimp regardless. That's a nice little
3: reminder. You know what I mean? No, like, it's not a reminder. It's already on the bill. Oh, where it's already there. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah
1: there, They there's a lot of you are, your yeah. gratuity on there. Yeah. A My thing of- about it
2: is, if you pre-charge the gratuity, I'm actually not super mad about it. You know, when I'm mad about it, when you don't say nothing about it upfront. That that's true. Like, good let point. me let me know you putting the gratuity on here. Good good point. Appreciate good. You. you. But you know what? It's kind of crazy that in America we got built into this like tip culture, anyways. Somebody else do this. Like it's just, hmm. hey, when you hmm. come, it's basically like, hey, we don't, you know what this is? All these restaurants are the NCAA. <laughs> we don't, we don't feel like paying our, we don't feel like our employees a would fair you like, wage. Would you like to pay them? <laughs> and the Y'all got of, it. <laughs> just, just pay them. I'll pay you for the service, and then you pay them, pay, pay them properly. Yeah, pay them fairly. How about that? Uh,
1: from the eight one seven. Back when I was in the industry, I realized ballers tip fifty percent and up if they really got it. Oh, okay. Uh, for the 870, if they tip in 2,000, I bet they ain't sleeping well at night. <laughs> what? Uh, for the 254, yeah, it's actually rude to tip in Japan. Yeah, nobody else does this. It's very interesting. Didn't know that. Um, in fact, go look up the history of tipping in America. Interesting stuff. For the 940, me and my closest friends go to Vegas every year. We don't do the bottle service, but we go out to a nice dinner And leave a $1,000 tip every year, a $100 from each person for the 10 of us. Hmm. From the 214, y'all sound cheap. That was not what I was getting
2: across. No, I don't think that's what he was trying to get at. But, I I mean, if that's what you heard, that's fine. Like, I don't know what to do at that point. I'm trying to think. Like, I I will still tip because that is society that we're in. My point was more a critique (laughs) on the society that we're in. But, okay.
1: From the 682 uh, and bottle service, tip 0 to 100 already spending 1500 plus on bottles and gratuity is included. Hey, man, sometimes you just got to mm. ball out, I guess. I wouldn't know, though. If money was no object to you, what you dropping on bottle service based on what you saw? That's a great question.
2: Because I don't carry
1: cash. That's the tough part. I mean, you can do, you know, tips on cards. You know what I'm saying? And, I yeah, just yeah. yeah, yeah. Depends on how I'm feel. Like it, based really, on what you saw from the video. Yes. <laughs> yes. No idea. I really and truly don't. He said unlimited. Unlimited for what I no, saw. You know, no, no, no. Let me, let me revise my Depends statement. Depends on how
3: good the conversation was. Oh, yeah.
1: okay. <laughs> it's part
3: of it. Uh,
2: I'm just going to let the spirit move me, Let, let the that's spirit what, move. That's what's going to yes. happen. The doors of the church are open. I'm just going to do a little prayer and ask what God want me to. Bless. <laughs> what would you lay on my
1: heart? <laughs>
2: how would you like me to bless this young lady
1: tonight? <laughs> Lord Jesus, thank so you, speak sir. Speak to me. Speak to me. As we continue inside the gray area here. Uh, from the 940, I worked at a place that didn't add large party gratuity in college. So many parties of six or more would tip zero because they assumed it was at all because they assumed it was added.
2: Yeah, a lot of places that once you get to a large party, they it's the assumption is that there's there's a gratuity on it. Man, it's just weird because we don't have a stand, like We have kind of things that we think are standard, but there's no actual rule behind it. So we don't really have, like there's not yeah. consistency. You go in and different places have different stuff going on. Wild, man.
1: It's a weird place that we live. The James Bond producers reportedly have a shocking cho- top choice for the franchise's new director. Uh Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Oh, that's interesting. I was going to say Spike Lee. Now, that would be something. That would be incredible. Best known for creating, writing, and starring in the series Fleabag, mm-hmm. the 37-year-old Waller-Bridge also served as a showrunner and head writer for the first season of the hit thriller series Killing Eve and punched up the script for Daniel Craig's final outing as James Bond in No Time to Die. This summer we'll see Waller-Bridge tackle the biggest role of her career as she stars alongside the legendary Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. This has to be it, right? What do you mean? In terms of Indiana Jones films starring Harrison Ford in them.
3: Yeah, I think this next one's going to have a lot of, like, CGI, like, younger Yeah, because they, like, make him
1: younger looking at some points in the film, right? Yeah. Uh, But that's a very interesting choice, though. Uh, According to a report from the Daily Mail, Bond franchise producer Barbara Broccoli has reportedly identified Waller Bridge as her top choice to direct the next film in the series, which will be the first without Daniel Craig, of course since 2006 i'm still really interested in who they decide who the next bond is going to be and what direction they take it in i honestly don't think that we're going like
2: the actual naming of the you know the actor i don't know that we're all going to be in this place where we're like oh wow yeah we know that that's a great pick or we know that's a bad pick well
1: i mean there might be there's going to be i'm gonna say yeah yeah we'll we'll, we'll feel some type of way if it's a certain. I, I
2: think that they're going to get they probably go in this place again where they get somebody who is not like a a movie star right like so uh, in the ways that we all have tried to do fan casting where we're like i think you should pick this person it's like that person probably a little too too well known they i think that they probably go towards the way of somebody who is not as well known and then you end up further building the persona of bond bond can be kind of the draw as opposed to like the kid the actor themselves and then we find a way to either love it or hate it based on their performance.
1: Uh, From the 321, the next Bond will be Harry Styles. No, I don't think so. Uh, my personal vote, if you're going to take us in a younger direction, a terrific actor, uh, Taron Egerton, starring in the new movie Tetris. He is. I'm actually fascinated to watch that movie. Uh, it's going to be on Apple TV. Uh, but he would be my vote for a younger Bond, if you will, if you're going to go in that direction. That's uh, inside the gray area here on the get right, where Reg will unlimited tip you if you got that if you got the money. I don't I don't know what you just did. If the there. conversation's good, if the conversation's good, that was a for him.
2: very weird way of saying that.
1: Coming up next here on the get right, get your headlines from this Thursday of sports, including what the Thunder are doing to the Utah Jazz. Dallas next on the get right.